0: Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I hope you're all enjoying this spooky time of year. As you can see in your Spotify feed, earlier this week I released a special Halloween-themed Guided Nightmare. Guided Nightmares will be coming out every Tuesday until Halloween, and then after then they'll be a little more sporadic. But until Halloween. Every Tuesday. Also, be on the lookout for the Halloween Kids episode as well. I don't have an exact date yet, but it will be out soon. One more quick announcement. You know, I've been a huge fan of the show True Crime Campfire from their very first episode, and I had the immense pleasure of getting to be a guest this week. Look out for that episode tomorrow, Friday the 16th, or if you go to their Patreon, it's actually out now and there's some bonus content at the end where we just shoot the shit and you know, just chit chat and listen to me and Whitney and Katie all discuss several true crime cases. I personally cover the very mysterious Hinterkaifeck murders. That's True Crime Campfire available right here on Spotify now. This episode has put me through some trials. (laughs) It's such a great story, and it is also the star of many frantic live videos last week when the files all got corrupted and I lost the entire thing mere hours before it was due to upload. But we are here now. Everything is okay. I screamed into my pillow and got all that bad energy out so I don't bring any of it here to you here now and better than it was before. Of course, that is mostly due to the immense talents of author Caleb Stevens. This is Shadow Puppets. I'm not sure what wakes me. Maybe it's the low thrum of the diesel engine vibrating the walls, or the cold cone of light that spills suddenly across my ceiling at two in the morning. Whatever it is, it pulls me towards the window, groggy-eyed and yawning, sleep receding in drifts. I part the blinds. Expecting to see another mobile home clunked into place by some grumbling semi-driver. But instead, I see her. An oil slick of hair over skin so white it glows. Her shoulders are slender, perfectly curved and hunched beneath a pink hoodie. And the way she climbs from the truck, her movements, timid, arms wrapped around her torso. It's like if she moves too fast, she'll break. She cups a hand to her brow and squints up against the streetlight, and I catch a glimpse of dark eyes encased in a heart-shaped face. Her features are delicate, a bubble of a nose and a chin that looks carved from glass, she reminds me of the porcelain dolls mom keeps stashed in her closet the ones on the top shelf trimmed in lace with the skin glazed and shining a sudden thunk pulls my gaze to the driver's side door and the man lurking there huge and bald his head gleaming with sweat he takes what looks to be a blanket from the truck bed and spreads it wide his arms hanging off his shoulders like a pair of over-tenderized meat slabs. He holds it over the girl and shoves her roughly towards the trailer door. A slow rising heat fills my chest as he lurches after her, a sour look splashed over his face. I know his type, the kind of guy who posts up on the porch with a 40 and a fat wad of chew stuffed in his lip. Ready to have a go at his kids, his wife, for looking at him wrong. Light his fuse and watch him explode. I know, because Dad was that kind of guy before he abandoned me and Mom to the trailer park. I watched them disappear inside with my breath fogging the glass. Something bothering me about the girl. Something about the way she moved, like... Maybe even breathing was too much work. And her face, that slack expression, and those eyes. It all made me want to rush outside and give her a hug, tell her things would be okay. And that's what it is, I decide, that the thing bothering me. I've never seen someone so sad before. I'm up early the next morning and catch her dad, or whoever he is, hanging blackout curtains in the windows. A thick beard crawls up his neck, and I can picture the nest of cockroaches mating within, laying eggs in his jowls. His eyes are crooked, buried too close to his nose, like maybe whatever god put him together had a few too many drinks beforehand. They twitch up and down as he works, glazed. One eyelid stretched wider than the other, giving me the impression he went a couple rounds with the bottle for breakfast, and the bottle won. Once he's done, there's not much to look at, only the faded peach exterior of their trailer, the studs showing through in spots. I wander into the kitchen for breakfast. Mom is swaying her hips in front of a frying pan egg sizzling, humming some old Elvis tune. I sit down to the smell of frying bacon and trace my finger over an ancient syrup stain on the checkered tablecloth. We have new neighbors, I say. Oh yeah? Who's that? Some girl and her dad. She spins around, her purple robe threadbare in spots, her hair spun up in curlers, girl huh your age think so she arches her eyebrows what I ask feigning confusion but it's true Valley Acres isn't exactly teeming with teenagers especially girls mostly it's a bunch of elementary kids playing in the dirt until their parents can afford a better school district well then she says We better make them some cookies, don't you think? I carry the tin over around noon, wave at Mrs. Amblin as I cross the street. She waves back from her lawn chair, a vodka tonic already sprouting from her sun-damaged hand, ready to take in the show. The trailer park is a bit like a bad soap opera to her, and right now I'm the only thing on. Her gaze crawls over my neck as I amble up the girl's steps and raise a hand to knock. Stop. The light fixture above the door has been blacked out, glazed in a thick coat of paint. A few hasty splotches dripped over the door frame. I stare at them, confused, then focus on the door and rap once, twice, three times. Before the bolt clicks, the door slivering open an inch to a voice with all the pleasantness of a growl. Whatcha want? Uh, Hi, I, uh, my name's Kyle. I, I brought you guys these. I raise the cookies. Welcome to the neighborhood. I try to smile and manage a quick twitch of the lips before the door widens and the man steps out. He's even bigger up close, his gut leaking over a pair of worn jean shorts, a greasy handprint across the thigh. He says nothing, only stares at me as if he's considering telling me to screw off before he reaches out with a meaty palm to snatch the tin. You live around here, kid. Just to cross the street, I say, my gaze drifting behind him. She's there, buried in the shadow. The light is bad, but even from here I can tell her eyes are blue, not brown like I thought last night. Her hand flutters up in a wave, and I go to return it, only to have the door slam shut to a half-mumbled thanks. And a shower of dust and peeling paint. (laughs) Mrs. Amblin cries out from across the street. Guess they won't be coming to any neighborhood barbecues. I roll my eyes at her and slump back to my trailer, annoyed but smiling. Smiling because I'm pretty sure the girl smiled at me before the door closed. A few nights later, I sneak back across the street with a handful of pebbles and toss a couple at what I think is her window. I'm coiled behind the hedgerow, ready to run if it's not. But on the fourth shot, the curtains part and I exhale as she peeks through. I stand and raise a hand, feeling stupid, like I'm in one of Mom's cheesy romantic comedies. Except, in this version, it's quite possible the girl's dad will kill me. She spots me and cracks her window, the corners of her eyes wrinkling. What are you doing? I uh, never got your name. From the other day? Her eyes narrow. I never gave it. Yeah, sorry, It's, it's just... Winter. Huh? My name is Winter. Winter. Beautiful. It fits. I'm Kyle. I know. Oh, right. Idiot. The corners of her lips curl, and I can't help but notice her skin is the color of moonlight. So, I say, trying to recover. Me and some friends are heading up to the lake in the morning. You maybe want to tag along? Meet a few of the other kids around here? She blinks slow and hard, her smile wilting. I... uh, I can't. Why not? My dad, he he won't. A pair of headlights flash over my shoulder and send her scurrying into the black of her room. She reappears a moment after they pass. All the light drained from her face. I, I just can't. I gotta go. My dad might hear us. Thanks for the cookies. I lurch forward a step. Wait! You maybe want to talk again sometime? Like this? Her forehead tightens and she pulls a slice of cheek between her teeth. She nods. Sure. I'd like that. Tomorrow. But wait until 11, okay? My dad's usually passed out by then. With that, She disappears, and I float back to my trailer, helium happy, struggling to focus on anything other than slowing my beating heart. The day passes like quicksand. I skip the lake and help Mom patch a hole in the drywall the size of Dad's fist. Another memory of him sanded away. Good riddance only it were always so easy. A bit of sandpaper and some elbow grease. She could forget him. Forever. But she can't. He lives on in the curve of her broken nose. The way she flinches at sudden sounds. Like he might leap out of the closet at any minute, fists bared. The shadow of his rage isn't so obvious in me. No, he comes for me at night, in the small, quiet hours. silver flash of teeth before I wake, drenched in sweat with my hands over my face. Bastard. I hope he stays gone forever. If he doesn't, I don't know what I'll do. Whatever it is, it isn't something I like to think about. All I know is I'll never let him hurt mom again. Ever. After dinner, I kill a few hours playing video games, then tick off the rest until 11 slides around. When at last it does, I slip through the living room like a ghost making sure not to wake Mom, who's snoring in front of some late-night talk show. Winter is waiting for me this time, her window sliding open at my approach. Hey, she says softly. Hi, I reply, my palms sweating. So we... I nod towards her dad's room. We, uh, good? She tucks a glossy lock of hair behind her ear. Yeah, he's asleep. A warm buzz runs through me. We have time. So, where are you from? I ask. The answer is Stockbridge, Massachusetts her fifth move in the last four years. She likes indie music and fried pickles, and her favorite movie is Mean Girls because it makes her laugh. She wants to travel to Alaska someday to see the glaciers and the humpbacks. I tell her a little about myself, how I can't wait to graduate and move to Austin and start a career in IT, do anything other than work in the oil fields like Dad. I talked about him a little, too, the next night, I tell her how he chased some greasy-haired waitress to Houston and how me and mom are better off with him gone. Stuff I would never tell anyone else. For some reason, it seems to slip out around her. She does the same. Tells me how her mom died of cancer when she was five. Her gaze dulling a little. And how she inherited her allergy to the sun. It has something to do with ultraviolet light. It's the reason her dad won't let her out of the trailer. She says he cares, that he always does what's best for her. But the way her mouth tightens when she says it gives me doubts. On the fourth night, she waves me closer with a playful flip of her wrist. Want to see something cool? I nod, feeling heady at her scent. Peaches. She dissolves into the black of her room and swirls back after flipping on a small lamp near her bed. Scarlet light bleeds through the lampshade in a mix of crimson-pink tones. Her room is bare. Few posters tacked to her wall. One of the ocean. A gray-black Ansel Adams and a chestnut stallion tossing its mane. Watch this. She says, as she raises her hands and laces her fingers together, a shadow spreads over her door, a bird, something a kindergartner would make in art class, but then she flutters her fingers, and the shadow grows, transforms into a lush set of wings, followed by a bloom of tail feathers, a beak. She curves her arms, hands flapping. And the shadow flies, actually flies, across her ceiling. The motion so fluid, so lifelike, I almost expect it to burst through her window. Then, without warning, the shadow rips down over her wall straight towards me. I stumble back and trip over a row of flower pots at my feet. Several crash to the rocks in a bright shatter and winter flashes me and oh God look! Her eyes snapping wide as the door smacks open down the hall. Go! She hisses, whipping the curtain shut. I dove into the hedges instead. I didn't have time to run. Her old man would hear me for sure. He barrels into her room, his voice angry, dripping sleep. What the hell's going on in here. Why is the window open? Winter says nothing, and I can imagine those concrete eyes of his surveying the room, looking for something off, something not quite right. Her curtains tear open a second later, and I try to still my breathing despite the swarm of mosquitoes ravaging my neck. I twitch at one, and I'm sure he's seen me. He's an instant from jumping over the windowsill to snap my neck when Winter speaks. It was hot. I needed some air. Silence. Then. And the pots? I heard a cat. She's cut off by the unmistakable sound of a slap, flesh on flesh, followed by a sharp cry. I cringe and ball my fists in my lap hard. Asshole. You're lying, he says, fury creeping into his voice. Don't you lie to me. No, no, I promise. It was... It's that boy, ain't it? The one that came by the other day. Don't you think I didn't catch the way you was looking at him? No, no, Dad. I swear, I wasn't. Bullshit. The window cracks down, and all I can do is sit there, trembling with rage, thinking, I will kill you, I will kill you, I will kill you, as the lock clicks into place. He boards her window in the morning. The sharp tack of nails and plywood wakes me, and I slump over to the blinds with my scalp prickling, wondering what the hell is going on. He's out there, banging, nailing away as if what he's doing is as normal as picking weeds. I widen the blinds to get a better view, and the hammer stops mid-stroke, hangs there. When he turns... His eyes are flat and without depth, like those of a trout's, a toothpick jutting from the corner of his mouth. He stares, unflinching, and a wave of nausea twists through my gut. I glance down, unable to hold his gaze, and when I look back again, he's gone. She's in trouble. I tell mom at breakfast who the girl winter her dad's not right she pushes back from the table and reaches for the crumpled pack of camel lights on the counter shakes one loose and plants it between her lips lights it hmm how so he boarded her window we need to do something She takes a deep drag, the tip burning cherry. (sighs) Now, Kyle, you know we can't do that. Why not? Because it's none of our business, is it? She grabs her plate and stands up, apparently done with the conversation. Now help me clean up. And there it is, the broken piece of her. The piece that Dad kept around long after she should have kicked him loose. I grab my plate and toss it into the sink, my fork clattering to the floor. She spins on me, voice sharp. Kyle, what has gotten into- But I'm already gone, storming back to my room. It doesn't take long to figure out his pattern out of the trailer at 7:30 dressed in faded orange construction gear tool belt wedged beneath his gut home by 5 i watch him for a couple days to make sure out at 7:30 home by 5 before i decide to go over the guy is punctual if nothing else outside the morning is cloudy The air so thick with moisture it feels like I'm walking through a bowl of chowder soup. Mrs. Amblin is already stretched out on her lawn chair, reading an old People magazine beneath a massive floppy sun hat, a set of oversized sunglasses perched low over her nose. She pulls them lower as I pass, gives me her red lipstick smile that lets me know I'm watching, always watching. I wave at her. Nothing to see here, and bound up winter steps. She answers on the fourth knock, the door cracking open to a stale whiff of air. Hey, she says, towing a fringe of orange shag spilling over the threshold. Hi, you maybe want to... She looks up, and my mouth goes dry. At the swamp of purple devouring her eye he did this she nods winter her eyes harden he was right too there are things about me us you don't know i know a father shouldn't hit his daughter I say it with more force than I intend, a slash of anger to my voice, and it sets her back a step. She eyes me like she sees something new, some hidden monster in me waiting to erupt. Look, I gotta go, Kyle, she says, moving to close the door. I'm sorry I scared you. Wait, I say. Planting a hand against the door. Are you talking about the bird? Because that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I'm not lying. It's all I've thought about the last few days. How the hell she did it. The rush of feathers and that oil-smooth motion. Her face brightens like a pale sunrise. That first warm glow of the day when everything is bursting with promise. I take a chance and grab her hand, the first time I've touched her, her palm cool against mine, and pull her toward the door. What are you doing? She asks, not really resisting. Let's go to the park for a bit. It's right down the street. She looks skyward with a hard swallow, her Adam's apple cutting a sharp path down her neck. I can't The sun Won't do anything I swing up the umbrella I brought Mom's purple striped one And open it And besides It's cloudy today No sun See? I step aside for her to look out Which she does with a Ginger glance up at the grey dome of clouds Forming overhead I don't know Come on, I plead. When's the last time you had some fun? It's been a while. I give her my best puppy dog eyes and curl my hands over my chest like a set of paws. p p p -p -p please She giggles, (laughs) the sound bright like water bubbling, (laughs) and blows at her bangs with a sigh. Yeah, (laughs) okay, but only for a minute. The park is busier than I've seen in a while. The playground buzzing with kids. Moms fringe the sides and chat in clusters of twos and threes. Dogs wheel over the grass after brightly colored frisbees next to a group of knobby-kneed sixth-graders enthusiastically smashing into each other over a game of flag football. I lead Winter away from all the chaos. We sit on a bench beneath a dense set of birch, the wind chiming soft through the leaves. It takes a good five minutes for her shoulders to unclench, and another five minutes before she stops glancing at the sky like she half expects to catch fire, Then, she's staring at me with those dazzling blue eyes of hers, so much clearer out here in the light, cleaner, the color, something like lake water. Thanks, she says. I needed this. Her hand slips into mine and my heart beats a little faster. I figured... We stay like that, hand in hand, quiet and enjoying the breeze while I work up the courage to ask her the question that's been bothering me since she moved in. When I finally do, my voice nearly cracks. Are you... Are you you okay? I mean, with your dad and all. She blinks. Sighs. He means well. He's a little overprotective after what happened to mom. With a cancer? Her eyebrows arch like she doesn't know what I'm talking about. Then settle quickly back into place. Cancer? Yeah. I mean, sort of. But it's... More than that, it's... She rubs her arms and glances around like she just realized she was outside. I I can't talk about it. I should go. I'm sorry, Kyle. This was a mistake. I'm not safe for you. My mouth unhinges as she stands. I'm kicking myself. An apology already halfway out of my mouth when a football thumps down nearby. A boy runs up to retrieve it, his cheeks puffing red beneath a pile of rice-colored hair. Sorry, he says, bending to grab it. We... He trails off, his eyes flicking first at Winter, then at me, his mouth agape. What? What is that? He asks, pointing at Winter's feet. It takes me a second to see her shadow rippling there, moving like a sheen of placid water disturbed by a rock. I blink at it, rub my eyes. It's still there when I open them, wavering, expanding across the turf like an anorexic version of winter. The arms are unnaturally long, the fingertips hang her thin and quivering. She gasps at (gasps) her face the color of overcooked fish, and stumbles back, trips. The umbrella flies from her hand. It's then I realize the sun has burned through the clouds. Her shadow writhes in the sudden spray of light, as if ignited, the entire thing seizing, congealing into a black pitch pool of darkness. The torso expands and an arm slithers snake like through the grass for the boy wraps around his ankle, his thigh. A flurry of thin, bone fingers curl over his shin. Then, he's screaming, Ah! ripping past me through the scorched grass towards the shadow's cave-black jaw. I dive for his hand and catch a handful of shirt instead. He jerks to a stop, and I struggle to hold on. A highway of blue veins explodes over my forearm. The boy's eyes bulge, the whites shining. All I can hear is his voice pitching higher and higher. Help me! Help me! Help me! Help me! I tell myself not to let go. Don't you dare let go, Kyle, as the seam over his shoulders tears. The stitch is popping one by one, snick, 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 before he catapults across the turf. The shadow jaw distends, and the boy's feet disappear first. Grind away, followed by his legs and waist. But disappearing is the wrong word for what I'm seeing. It's more like Dissolving. An untangling of his DNA one strand at a time. His eyes never leave mine. Filled with this awful disbelief in what's happening. A question hanging there. Why? I cry out as they disappear, too. His vertically splayed hand sinks lower. Turns to a fine carbon mist. "'Run, Kyle! Run!' Winter's voice cuts through the fog. I jerk upright and take a step, slam back down. A searing heat bleeds through my skin. Something is coiled around my ankle. I roll over to see Winter scrambling for the umbrella, but she can't seem to gain any traction, the shadow somehow anchoring her in place. My hands tear out chunks of grass as it drags me closer.' My fingers dig in desperate trenches through the soil. I cry out as my shoe nears its maw. Plunges in. The pain is indescribable. Like a hand dunked into a pot of boiling water so hot it feels cold. I almost pass out. The sparks distorting my vision before a blur of motion cuts in front of me. Tree trunk arms and a blanket a pair of close set eyes and a bald head shining the pressure in my calf releases and I look down too nothing no foot no shin just a pile of charred oozing flesh and bits of ash drifting higher The police question me a week after I wake, numb and shell-shocked in the hospital. Grill me until a nurse orders them out with a snide. That's enough, he's in no shape for this. It isn't until I'm discharged that they drag me downtown for a second round. No, I don't know what happened to the girl or her father. No, sorry, I have no clue as to their last name. I wish I did. Yes. The boy dissolved into a shadow. Same as my leg. In the end, I guess they have too many corresponding witness accounts. Too many strange descriptions of what happened. To charge me or anyone else for that matter all they have are a bunch of statements that make no sense and a grief-stricken mother in search of answers that will never come I know because I want them myself it isn't until six months later when I'm out on the porch and sipping a tall glass of lemonade with what's left of my legs strung out in front of me and throbbing like an open wound, that the letter comes. The mailman spots me, glances at my stub knee, then the envelope in his hand and brings it up the steps. I think this is for you, he says, handing it to me with a look I've grown accustomed to blend of pity and relief pity for me relief it isn't him I hold it in my hands as he shambles away the envelope is wrinkled the address Kyle Carrington 11080 swallow way. smudged in spots like whoever had written it had been crying With trembling fingers, I carefully slit the crease and pull out the piece of paper folded inside. Kyle, it's hard for me to write this. After what I did to you, to that boy, there are no words, nothing I can say or do to fix things. All I know is that you made me happy and all I did was hurt you it's all i've ever done really hurt the people i love my mom my dad you he saved you you know my dad brought you to the hospital after that old woman across the street told him where we went i read the rest of it my eyes pouring over every word Then I go to my bedroom and pull the blinds and lock the door, burrow beneath the covers. A foul shiver swims up my arms. That thing in the park changed me. I've suspected it for a while now, the way my shadow wavers and curls in the sun, the motion off somehow unnatural and inside how it slides over the wall like a flicker of smoke in the lamplight i close my eyes and think of the last line in winter's letter for the thousandth time the words crashing through my brain like a thunderstorm kyle i'm so sorry But whatever you do, you must never, ever, go outside. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to author Caleb Stevens for <laughs> being so gracious when I let you know that your episode would be another week until it was out. I hope you all enjoyed it. I enjoyed producing it. I love these more atmospheric episodes. The Sometimes the stories just lend themselves so beautifully to basically all of the sounds or most of the sounds, obviously not the monster, but um, most of the sounds coming from just the world around you. And I feel, I just love stories. I personally love listening to stories like that. I feel so immersed. Um, Yeah. So thanks everybody. I hope everyone's having a great Halloween season. I hope you're all baking some great uh, things that are tasty and smell good. Um, I'm personally going to be eating lots of pastries this weekend. I'm going up to solving. I think that's not doxing myself, is it? I don't know. I'm not very good at this whole, like, you know, podcaster thing. I don't think you're supposed to tell people where you're going to be, but <laughs> if you see me in solving, give me a shout. Let's take a picture together. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it's a non-script week, as you can see. My brain is dead this week. It's been a lot. I had a root canal this week as well. So yeah, my first, yay, first, baby's first root canal um so remember to go listen to me on true crime campfire with whitney and katie i had so much fun on that show i think you're really gonna love it um if you haven't given them a listen yet then take this as your opportunity to go listen because it's a great show thank you again whitney and katie for having me on i was so excited i was so nervous too i was so nervous just listen to us. We all kind of fangirl about each other. Uh, we're all big fans of each other, and we have a, a lot of crossover audience. So if you love me, you're going to probably love them. Give them a listen. Um, Yeah, so go follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Reddit, and you can join the Facebook group. Facebook group. Everyone in the Facebook group has been doing, like, some great Halloween stuff. It's just been so much fun to look at. I've been kind of busy, so I haven't been participating as much. But it's been so much fun to kind of check in and see all the fun little like trivia stuff and all the little quizzes you're doing there. So shout out to the Facebook group. Um, I believe that's all. Uh, yeah, go drink some water. I know you haven't had enough today. And I love you. And go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.